Hello, and welcome to the Connected Community Podcast. Today, my guest is Kiara Rose, and Kiara and I talk about ayahuasca plant medicine and the healing ceremonial space. Four years ago, Kiara discovered plant medicines. It was at that time that a childhood trauma resurfaced for her. She had kind of buried it, and it was affecting her, but she didn't really realize how much. She started diving into plant medicine, and really that was where her path of self-discovery and transformation took place. It has been so powerful and meaningful to her that now she is assisting in the ceremonial space. So she talks about her transformation and her growth and what it is like assisting in the ceremony. We talk about how important the set is, the setting, feeling safe and secure within that setting, having a good intention, and then also post-ceremony, having that integration and how all of those are absolutely key in having a successful ayahuasca experience. I would like to put a disclaimer out there that I'm not advocating for the use of ayahuasca plant medicine. It is absolutely not for everyone. But if you are ready and you are 100% ready to dive on in, then this episode might be for you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please, if you're enjoying them, give us a like, a share, and a thumbs up. And I'm just going to hop on into this chat with Kiara today. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Connected Community Podcast, a place to explore possibility through mindfulness, movement, and self-discovery. Our intention is to deliver insight and inspiration while fostering conversations that are genuine, unfiltered, and deeply human. We hope you will enjoy today's episode. Hi, Kiara. Welcome to the Connected Community Podcast. Hi, Nikki. It's so nice to be here and be a part of this. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. I know this is a big leap for you, and this is the um, first time you're talking about this topic publicly. It is. Yeah, it is. But, you know, I was listening to a few of your other podcasts, and I was just so inspired by the other people who have been a part of this. And I'm just so honored that you would ask me to be here today. Oh, thank you. So today we're going to talk about plant medicine, specifically ayahuasca. Um, and you have partaked in ayahuasca ceremonies for quite a long time, and you've been assisting with those ceremonies. So I'm just curious, like, how did you discover ayahuasca? What has your journey been um, with the medicine? And mm-hmm. this is kind of a loaded question, but from the beginning of your journey until now, what does that look like? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, as much of a loaded question as it is, I don't think one exists without the other. They're so intertwined at this point that, um, you know, doing plant medicine and being a part of this world is just such a huge part of my journey and why I am who I am today. So, um, yeah, to answer your question, um, you know, I really use the ayahuasca space as a healing space for myself and for my life. And not everyone that feels called to that medicine uses that in that way, but it is just such a powerful tool in um, connecting in deeper with ourselves and our soul and to heal uh, traumas that we might have experienced in this life. And in my particular case, that was exactly the medicine that I needed. Um, I, When I was younger, I was uh, sexually abused. And, you know, it's interesting that something that feels uh, very vulnerable to say um, in, in a public way and, and on a podcast. And 
before this podcast, I was actually looking up uh, statistics um, on women and men who have been sexually abused. And I was shocked to see that some uh, websites and resources um, report that number at almost 50%. I saw Um, that today. I saw that exact same statistic today. Yeah. yeah. And that's an underreported number. It is. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. And, you know, in my case, um, it was completely buried for me. And, and I had no idea for the majority of my life and until I started using plant medicine. So I wondered, seeing that number, uh, just how underreported that is and what the real statistic actually is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that number actually tracks for um, all the ceremonies that I've been a part of, um, approximately 50% of the women and many of the men who come into that space are healing some sort of sexual trauma. Mm-hmm. So I believe that it's a very um, uh, not spoken about issue that we have in our society that it's in the shadows, but it's very real for a lot of us. And mm-hmm. I feel that a big part of my journey is to to talk about it openly, which is one of the reasons why I agreed to to come on this podcast and share this story with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in my particular case, um, I was abused when I was younger and, um, you know, there was a, as happens with a lot of people, there was a fracturing of my psyche that happened afterwards. And, you know, it was a, a self-defense mechanism of my body to, um, create disassociation, uh, for survival. And that experience was completely buried in my psyche. I had no idea that it had happened to me or that it was a part of my story. And I grew up internalizing um, the shrapnel effects of it, right? So I grew up feeling very disassociated, very disconnected from myself, from the world, from others. Um, I had a lot of trouble with like uh, authentically connecting with people in a way that felt true to me. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of difficulty with um, being connected to myself. You know, it felt like I was just a shell of a person while I was growing up. And, you know, I grew up with a lot of um, depression and, and pain and suffering. And, you know, I share this not, um, to bring heaviness into this conversation, but just because it was my authentic experience growing up, you know, and I I think that a lot of people uh, feel this pain, but um, that we don't really have a place in our society to openly discuss it or talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, So growing up, I, I internalized it and I thought that there was just something wrong with me. I had no idea what was going on or what was happening. And you know, there were several times that I, I tried to go to therapy and I tried to just talk about what was happening and it never led anywhere. Um, and so at a certain point, I think I just resolved to my my life and I thought that my life was my life and that's just how it was going to be and that I was just going to live in, inside of this box for the rest of my life. And mm-hmm. I became very identified with that pain um, and with that story and those limiting beliefs of, of who I thought I was. Um, and you know, there were moments and experiences where I feel that I I tried to break out of that and, and come outside of that. You know, I, I started my own business when I was in college and after I graduated from college, I traveled the world for nine months and I had all these beautiful experiences. And so there were still moments where I felt joy and happiness and exploration and expansion, 
But any time that I really came back to myself and I really got quiet with myself, that that pain would come back, and I just had yeah. no tools for how to navigate it. Yeah. Um. So uh, my awakening process started actually with a uh, music festival that I went to, and um, I took psychedelics while I was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Around what year was this? So this was around approximately 2017. So it was um, in the few years after I graduated from college and, you know, college was such a, there was so much happening while I was in college. I was taking all these classes and I had my business and, you know, I was very much in this distractor mode. I was just do, do, do all the time. And after I graduated from college and I traveled and I came back and you know, I broke up with a long-term uh, boyfriend that I had at the time, and I, I moved in with my grandparents while I um, was saving up money. And um, I really had a moment to slow down with myself and, and mm-hmm. get really quiet with myself. And I went to a music festival. And for anyone who um, is new to the psychedelic space, a lot of things that people talk about are set and setting and the importance mm-hmm. of set and setting. And, you know, you can use psychedelics in a very ceremonial and healing space, which is typical of ayahuasca. Um, Mm. But you can also use them in, you know, more of like a party sense. And at that time, I was using it in in a party way. And I was surrounded by people who didn't really know me. And um, I, it was almost like the veil, like I crept through the veil into what my authentic experience was. And for the first time, I was able to see clearly how deep my pain and my confusion was. Mm, And it's almost like I had lived my entire life up to that point so asleep and so in my patterning that I had no idea that that pain even existed to that level. Mm -hmm. And once the veil was removed... I couldn't put it back afterwards. Yeah. And yeah. even I, after I came back down off the psychedelics, I was just stuck with just being able to, to see and, and feel all of this for really the first time in my life. And was that experience I, of, uh, like a, uh, were you having memories or were you feeling this in your body? Was it a physical experience? Was like, what was that experience like? It's um, it's what people would describe as a bad trip. That's what it I was, was wondering. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like it. You know, and it's it's interesting because looking back on it, I can really see how like that was the catalyst of what woke me up, and how mm-hmm. magical that moment actually was, and how special that moment actually was. And if yeah. I had had someone at that time who could have taken my hand and said, "It's okay, you're not going crazy." You're experiencing yeah. old trauma. You're experiencing PTSD. You are going to be okay. You know, you can heal this. But I didn't have any of that. And so I mm. just thought that I was going insane. Oh, my gosh. And um, it was like all of a sudden I could just feel everything. And I had been so asleep for so long that I didn't even know. And it it caused, um, so like in the awakening journey, a lot of people go through what they call the dark night of the soul. And so Mm -hmm. that was my introduction to the dark night of the soul. And I had a moment where, um, I, I hit my rock bottom and it was like, I could feel anxiety running through my blood. I 
felt to myself, I, I can't do this anymore. And I either need to end it or I need to find mm-hmm. a way to move through this experience and not feel this pain anymore. And yeah. in that moment, I felt this inner fire, this tenacity of the human spirit that I had never before connected with. And it was this feeling of like this inner strength of I will do whatever it takes to heal this yeah. and to move through this. And, and I, this will not beat me. Wow. Um, yeah. And that is the moment that changed everything for me. Yeah. Was that a psilocybin experience? Um, uh, it was a, a little bit of everything experience, <laughs> <laughs> which the I would not storm. recommend. Yes. Uh-huh. But <laughs> in a way, exactly it was the perfect storm. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Yeah. It's looking back on it, it was honestly, in an odd way, it was grace. Mm-hmm. Was it in that same moment that you kind of went into that dark night of the soul and pulled yourself out? Or did you pull yourself out? afterwards it was afterwards yeah was it it was after afterwards. weeks after um it was probably months afterwards i was yeah. dealing with you know the aftermath of that experience for for months and mm-hmm. um i think that initially i was trying to like shove things back in the box i just wanted to go back to how things were before that right. experience i didn't want to feel all the things that i was feeling and I was trying to just shove down, shove down, shove down. And I, I couldn't, it wouldn't go yeah. back in. Is that when memory surfaced that you didn't recall before? Um, no, that actually wasn't until my first ayahuasca journey. Okay. So, yeah. you know, a lot of the beginning of my journey was, um, was very confusing. Um, yeah. I had no semblance or idea of what was going on, what was happening, what I was going through. I'd never heard of a dark night of the soul. You mm-hmm. know, it was, it was very much in, in the shadow. Yeah. You know, and it shows me the importance of um, support through things like this and, and normalizing that. Yeah. And I want to talk about that now because I think set and setting are everything. And I think a lot yeah. of these things can be really powerful and I think that the bad reputation comes from when these um, medicines are being misused. Mm-hmm. And so how would that experience been different had you had that support? I mean, and you even said that it, if somebody was holding your hand in that moment and telling you like, this is normal and this is okay and you're going to get through it. Um, do you think that would have changed the experience for you? Or do you think that you needed to struggle with it or both? Um. That's a great question. And, and I guess we'll never really know, right? You know, I know that, um, like for my journey, for whatever reason, it was supposed to happen in that way. And mm-hmm. that looking back, I actually wouldn't change anything of my particular journey just because it's, it's led me to where I am right now. Yeah. Um, but I believe very strongly in the importance of not only set and setting, but of true respect for these medicines and for, um, what they open up in us and, and, you know, how this space can be used. And it's not to say that they can't be used in an enjoyable way. I mean, ayahuasca, you know, it's, it's very much a ceremonial healing mm-hmm. medicine. It's not meant to be used in a party context. Yeah. Um, but certain other medicines like uh, cannabis and psilocybin, you know, they can kind of, they can be used for both categories. And sometimes, um, 
having fun and letting loose and enjoying yourself with your friends is medicine, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what we need too. But I think that it's really important to pay attention to, um, like I wasn't in a, a place with people who knew me or, or were equipped to help me through a process like that. Yeah. Like they saw what was happening and they just created distance. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, so how does that compare to, somebody not knowing anybody in a new ayahuasca ceremony circle Mm. and joining in that circle and that ceremony, how is that different? Mm, That's a great question. Um, Well, in these spaces, uh, particularly the one that I'm a part of, um, it's very, very intentional to create a container that feels safe for people um, so that people know that whatever comes up is it's in their highest and best alignment. It's, it's what's supposed to come up. It's what they're ready for and that they have an entire team of people who will be there with them no matter what through their experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they're loved for their experience, you know, however that shows up in whatever way that comes through that you're going to have someone there with you who's not judging you, who's holding your hand and and holding space for your experience mm-hmm. to be what it is. And since you're a part of assisting in these ceremonies, how do you and your team create that safe experience for people? Mm-hmm. Um, the intention has a really strong foothold in that, you know, really intending for it to be a safe space. But I think for me personally, it's, um, really looking at like what I've needed to feel safe, you know, what, what has felt safe for me in an experience. And I think for me, it's been the freedom to go through my process and what I need to go through and know that it's not going to be judged and that it's going to be accepted for exactly what it is. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, as, as an assistant, I can only offer to people, um, I can only take them as far as I've gone. You know, I can only walk them through what I've walked through. So if I'm judging myself and I'm criticizing myself for my own experience, then how am I supposed to expect that I can hold someone else in that? Yeah. Yeah. And I've been in ceremony with you. You are the key person to help me through my (laughs) first ceremony. Um, And I feel, I felt like there was, there was a lot of support there. I felt like there, there were six people assisting all of them made it really clear that they were there. They were available. If you needed a bucket changed out or if you needed someone to walk you to the bathroom or you needed someone to talk to or just sit there with you, um, that they were available. And I found that there was this magic and um, everyone appearing at just the right time, at the exact right time, and then kind of leaving at the exact right time. And I know for my experience that I had with you, it was super profound um, I'm super grateful. I felt like you held me, supported me, kind of pushed me a little bit. Mm. Um, and also, um, kind of threw out some like insight that stuck with me weeks later that took me a while to process that was key. Um, and so how do you know when people need something and what they're needing? I know that is a lot of intuition. Um, but what do you see from the outside? When do you jump in? When do you let somebody struggle and just kind of go through it on their own? Yeah. Um, Yeah, it really is intuition-based. And I I feel that, so um, people who use ayahuasca, they usually call her grandmother. She Mm -hmm. feels like a grandmother spirit. So that's how I'm going to refer to her. 
Um, it, it feels like grandma nudges me towards people who need my help and my assistance. And I will feel a very strong draw towards who I'm supposed to sit with. And um, a lot of the work that I do is I really try to practice getting out of my own way, right? Like setting my ego aside as much as possible, um, not coming from a place of like, oh, I'm going to fix this person. Oh, I'm going to heal this person. Oh, I'm going to help this person. But instead from a like asking grandma to use me essentially as a vessel for um, how can I be of service? You know, mm-hmm. what is it that needs to flow through me? What does this person need? Please give me guidance. Please give me intuition. Mm-hmm. And in your case, it, it was just me stepping out of my own way and, and letting that flow through me. Yeah. And that support can look so different. I mean, I've had somebody just lay their hand on my back and I'm like, good. I've yeah. had someone play, um, there was like some little chime that sounds like a kid's, uh, one of those little wind up jewelry boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'd play that over my head and over my body. And I was like, oh, that's, that just like relaxes me and calms me down. And, um, it is interesting because some people need a lot of support. Some people don't. Um, and I feel like everyone there was supported in the way that they needed to be supported. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, that's ultimately what the goal is, is, you know, my teacher says a lot that it's, it's not our show. And it's the, the more that I step into that space, like (laughs) grandma loves to, she plays games, I feel. And she helps me to get more aligned with myself, even in assisting role, you know, just because I'm assisting doesn't mean that I'm not doing my own work too, even those nights. And any part that my uh, ego is coming out to play or trying to control things or thinks that I know best, I mean, she'll blow that up for me. Mm-hmm. And it, it feels like it's almost like Jedi training for, you know, how to step into being of support and service to others and, and what that looks like and what that feels like. And, ooh, that doesn't feel in alignment. Okay, like, let me try again this way. Like, oh, yeah, there's flow when I do it, right? So, like, it's a constant learning experience for me, too. And if I go in thinking that ceremony is going to look a certain way because I've done, you know, X amounts at this point, then yeah. the night will go totally differently. Yeah. That's how she tricks you. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So how do you, what are some of the common themes that come up? Like universal themes. I think for, for me, when I was sitting in circle, I, I kept hearing when people were setting their intentions, um, this common theme of I'm not enough. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if it's just the ceremony that I was at, or if that's kind of a common theme that comes up over and over and over again. Um, but I would say I heard it a lot. Yeah, yeah. It, um, you know, when I hear people share intentions now, it seems like the common thread that weaves them all together is freedom. Mm-hmm. We're all just looking for freedom. We all just want to be free to be who we are, to express our love, to love and love others. And there's some variation of a story that our ego has created, you know, because we, we live in a sick society, right? In a, in a world like that, where it was needed at one point for our survival to, yeah. to be small in order to get love. And, and we learned these, you know, programs or these ideas of who we think we are and how we think that we have to, to be in the world. So a lot of times it's um, people come in with stories that they have, and it's, mm-hmm. it's a story that is keeping them in a box. And as they're trying to spread their wings, they're trying to grow, 
it, it's starting to get uncomfortable. It's starting to feel uncomfortable. Like, Hey, maybe, you know, maybe I do deserve to, to live a good life and maybe I mm-hmm. do deserve to be happy and, and have peace. And, you know, what's, what beliefs do I have about myself and who I am in the world that are getting in the way of that? Yeah. Yeah. And so for somebody that's never had an ayahuasca journey, how do you explain it to them about, I mean, and here's the thing is that if you talk to a hundred people and they each tell their first ayahuasca story, it's going to be vastly different from person to person. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is something in general that people can expect? Mm. Um, well, purging. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and not everyone purges too. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so it is. It is vastly different for each person. Yeah. You know, I think the most important thing is that people feel a real soul resonance to coming in with the medicine, um, mm-hmm. because there have been times that, like, I felt so deeply connected and had such amazing experiences that I just want everyone to try it and do it. And I've seen people over time that, you know, were dragged there by friends or that want to do it just because they think it's cool to do. And they hear a lot of other people talking about it. And um, not always, but a lot of times, you know, those people don't get anything at all from the space. Um, And so that that soul resonance piece is is really important. Um, But it's to me, the medicine is really connecting people in with who they really are. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, what their soul is and how their soul wants to be expressed through their bodies. And if there's a part in their life that is off kilter from that, you know, out of alignment, maybe focusing on, on something that has nothing to do with what your soul's mission is here, she just helps to gently guide people back to that. Mm-hmm. And it looks totally different from how people think it's going to, you know, the saying of, um, like ayahuasca gives you what you need and not what you want. Mm-hmm. You know, people come in and they have these grand ideas of what their ceremony is going to look like and what they're going to heal and what they're going to go through. And then sometimes it turns out totally different. Yeah. I actually have two friends that recently did a ceremony um, and are struggling to integrate it because it was not at all around their intention and, and what they went for. Um, both of them are going to come back yeah. Um but they, that there is a little bit of that stuckness. Mm. So mm-hmm. how do you process that when you have a completely off experience and it's not at all what you hear other people having and you just can't get there? And what do you do with that? Mm. Um, well, I think in understanding that whatever this spirit is, whatever grandmother is, is that she sees this picture from a much larger perspective than we do. And so there's a trust that we are, we did receive what we were supposed to receive. And, you know, I've had a friend who um, joined for ceremony and didn't experience anything at all. Uh, Mm -hmm. She just slept the entire time. And she was kind of like, what the heck, you know, afterwards. And in her integration, she's realized that um, there's a part of her that doesn't want to know the truth. Yeah. And yeah. that if she decides to go back, that it's going to have to be from a place of I'm willing to see even the yeah. difficult things. Yeah. Um, so, you know, did she really not have an experience or yeah. did she get further along with her soul's journey in that? Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, my first, I did a two day and that first day I did three full doses and didn't have anything either. And mm -hmm. what I gathered from that was I was just getting in my own way and I needed to surrender. And my, my mind was so strong and I wasn't getting into my heart and body. Um, and then when I talked to my friend that just had that similar experience, I think she mm -hmm. came away with, I wanted to have control over everything and I couldn't, mm -hmm. and I need to surrender. And yeah. I kind of think it's similar for that other person. So I wonder if people the first time are just playing around with trusting the space and feeling comfortable and letting their guard down. And then also maybe it takes that um, knock on the head that you need to surrender that first time where nothing happens and you're not getting what you want, that you are willing to just dive deeper and surrender that second time. So I'm wondering if that's somewhat of a common experience because I had it, your friend had it, the, the two people that, that um, I know that just went had that experience as well. Yeah. 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 I do think that that is a theme that happens with people. Definitely that we see occasionally. Um, I, I think that there's a familiarization that's happening with the medicine itself. There is a learning to relax into um, ayahuasca is very different from other psychedelics. Like other psychedelics, it's like you're going to experience something no matter what. Like you take mm -hmm. a big enough dose and you're going somewhere. And yeah. it doesn't always work that way in the ayahuasca space. Like there's, it feels like there's more of like a, a co-creation in how the two of you work together and how open you are and how relaxed you are and how willing you are to receive messages. And I had a friend who, um, he sat for medicine and grandma came in and all of a sudden he felt like he was in a coffin and grandma was trying to show him his death. And he goes, no, 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 no. I don't, mm -mm, I don't want to see that. And that grandma pulled away and she was like, all right. <laughs> and so he actually didn't experience that. And it's not always that way. You know, sometimes people are really in it and they're, they're resisting something and it creates a lot of stickiness and a lot of heaviness for them. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it seems that she, she works with you as, as open as, as you are to her. Yeah. So when you went in for your first Aya experience, what was that like for you and how did that all unravel? So, um, yeah. So or ceremonial, I, uh, at least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, um, when I found out about ayahuasca, there was something in me that knew that I needed to, to partake in it, like just knew really deep in my soul. And I, um, ended up having a bunch of opportunities that came up that just didn't feel right. Um, until I found the one that did. And, you know, the entire experience is interesting that we were talking about not feeling anything because I went through the same thing, actually, where the whole experience, I wasn't really feeling anything. And mm -hmm. man, if I wasn't like, well, dang it, even this isn't working for me. Yeah. Um, but at the very, very, very end of the ceremony, I just heard a voice that was, it was almost like a whisper that told me you've been abused. And, um, it took me many, many, many months after that to integrate that and to even come to terms with the fact that, that it happened at all. You know, I was really in a lot of denial afterwards of, oh, are you sure? Did it really happen? So grandma gave me what I could handle. And at that moment, it, it was just that one little sentence. Yeah. That does make sense, right? That was what you needed, even if you might not have realized it was yeah. that little droplet of information. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, um, and like, I've been guilty of this too. Like some of us go into that experience and we just want the fix it pill. We just want the thing 
that we're going to take and then we're going to wake up the next day and we're just going to be a beam of sunshine and everything's going to be better and we're not going to have any problems. Right. And, you know, she just doesn't work that way. Or maybe she does for some people, you know, rare cases, but really for a lot of us, it seems that um, she is not the entire path. She is just a, a key in the path that helps us to get closer to uh, the real work that needs to be done. And, and, you know, a lot of that work happens outside of ceremony too. Yeah. 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 I feel like the seed gets planted in ceremony and then sometimes there's the, the bandaid gets ripped off and then there's a healing. Um, and I always think that, um, cause people ask about that. And I think there's a fear that something's going to get uncovered that we can't handle. Mm-hmm. And I feel like grandmother has this way of maybe not necessarily ripping off a bandaid, but just kind of showing us something. Um, yeah. And I have found that the integration happens weeks, weeks to months later. That's where the work is. It's not necessarily in the ceremony, although it can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's another opportunity, right? It, the weeks after we can toss that out and ignore it and walk away, or we can kind of dive deeper into it, explore it and see what we can uncover. But I don't feel like that, there's too much getting thrown to us that we're unable to handle in those ceremonies. Have you, is that your experience as well? Yeah, it is. And, you know, I've had ceremonies that have been easier than others. Um, I've had some that have just felt like over the moon, you know, fully getting connected with my power and who I am. And I've had some that have, you know, pushed me a little bit more and, and been more difficult, but in every ceremony I've ever had, she's never taken me further than I can go. And mm-hmm. it, that seems to be the general experience that people have. You know, she'll she'll push you to your edge, but she'll hold you the whole time that she's doing it. And so mm-hmm. there's a lot of a lot of love in that space that that she shares with each mm-hmm. person. Um, but yeah, the the integration afterwards is just as important as the ceremony itself because people have these profound life altering experiences sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they wake up the next day and then they go home and they are still taking out the trash and, you know, and they're fitting back into these old molds of who they used to be. Yeah. And so how do you take a peak experience like that and, and bring it into your life and integrate it into to who you are? Yeah. So how do we do that? Because the, that, that integration is key. And I think a lot of people come to ceremony and they are doing it alone. And then they're going back in their community and they don't have someone to talk to about this crazy experience. Because I don't know if it's easy to understand the effects and the power of plant medicine unless you've done it. I think it's really hard to relate to those stories unless you've been in that space. So yeah. how do people do it if they don't have a community around that? Um, well, I mean, my first recommendation would be to try to build community because it it really is important to have people who see you for the light of who you really are for see who see you for who you are growing into and the stories that you're dropping. Um, there's a quote from Ram Dass, but like, if you think you're enlightened, just go spend a weekend with your family. And (laughs) (laughs) It's so true because, Mm -hmm. you know, when you go back into your family, these are people who grew up with you in a certain way and and you respond a certain way to them and they respond a certain way to you. And there's like this mold that you're held in and it can be very difficult to break out of those. You know, there's a lot of patience and grace that, um, 
you have to give yourself while you're working through changing some of these deeper parts of your psyche. Um, so having some sort of support group and community is, I mean, I would say it's almost paramount. Um, yeah. And that could be even, you know, if you're in a ceremony and you connect with someone in there, um, exchange yeah. numbers with them, you know, reach out for, for support. And if there's assistance in the ceremony and they're open to connecting and doing integration calls, take them up on that. Yeah. You know, and, and, um, uh, for integration, I think like having a, a sadhana, which is like a, a spiritual practice is really helpful. It's yeah. like some space that, cause like life is just going to life afterwards, you know, things are going to happen. You're going to get triggered. You're going to yeah. fall back into old patterns and habits. Like it's just part of what happens, but, um, the work is being in it for the long game, yeah. you know, it's, it's okay, I don't care how many times I fall down. If I fall down eight times, I'm going to get up nine, you know, and, and having some sort of practice that you can come back to where you can remember what it is that you learned about yourself, where you can touch in with what's real, what really, really yeah. feels real to your soul and, and who you are and, and what you're becoming, what you're stepping into. And it's, um, it's done in many, many layers. It happens slowly over time. Um, you know, like I was looking back at, um, just my, my journey up to this point and, and how far I've come and where I'm at now compared to where I was four years ago when I first started, you know, that, that woman that I was talking about earlier in the podcast, that girl really, um, I, I honor the heck out of her and I love her so much and I, I see her for her suffering and I am not that person anymore at all. I have yeah. completely changed as an individual and stepped in a into a totally different version of myself. And that has taken me four years of really consistent work. Mm -hmm. So I feel it's, like it's shedding layer upon layer upon layer, like you're kind of just slowly shedding one after the other after the other over time. Yeah, yeah. And there's like this really interesting period that um, people find themselves in, you know, where it's like, you had this old version of you and, and who you thought you were. And then you have this new person that you're stepping into and this feeling sometimes of like being in both realities. Yeah. You know, having a foot in both places and um, just honoring both of those, you know, it's, if you're still in the old reality, then you still have lessons to learn there, but there's like a, a deep sense of trust that I've personally brought into my practice, which has helped so much. And that's just a, a knowing that I'm supported. I am guided. I'm, I'm expanding and that I'm, I'm learning the lessons that I'm supposed to learn. Mm, yeah. So with all of that, how did you move from participating in all the ceremonies to assisting? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that first ceremony, it took me um, about nine months of integration afterwards, just from that one little sentence to integrate that. Mm -hmm. And then once I started coming back to ceremonies again, I mean, I went hard in the space and it mm -hmm. was, um, it was just what my soul felt called to, you know, to keep going back and to keep digging at all those places. Mm -hmm. And I would say that I did that for probably another year a uh, year and a half mm -hmm. um, of really deep work with that. And then it felt like I just had so much appreciation for that space and all mm -hmm. the assistants who had helped me when 
I mean, when I was just at my ugliest, like my lowest, you know, I just opened everything up and I let them see all of it. All the places I was so afraid for the world to see, I just bared it. And yeah. I was met with love there. And I, I don't think it would have been possible otherwise for me. And so yeah. I saw the importance of um, having a strong team of assistants who are there to really be of service and are, are really yeah. there to hold that love for other people. And it was like everything in my heart and soul just wanted to be a part of that and yeah. wanted to be of service to others. And so I, I was asked to, to step into assisting and you know, it felt really scary at first. And mm-hmm. um, but it also felt very natural. Yeah. Yeah. What do you enjoy about it the most? Ooh, there's so many things. Um, I think it's just seeing people come back to themselves, you know, like I, it's like, I get to see myself in these other people over and over and over again. And I get to see people you know, there's people who come in sometimes and, and they have a lot of heaviness on them, a lot of weight that they're holding on to. And to watch them shed that throughout the night and, and to experience yeah. them as a completely different person the next day, like a person who feels closer to who they really are. Yeah. Um, and then for people who feel called to, you know, there's some people who like, they come in, they do a ceremony, they got what they needed, they like peace out. Mm-hmm. And then there's some people who feel really called to the spiral and they come back, you know, frequently yeah. and we see them more and more over time and just watching the transformation that happens in people who are willing to put the work into themselves and doing any part that I can to stoke that fire yeah. is one of the most rewarding feelings I've ever felt in my life. Mm, that's so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Just watching people grow and evolve and come out of their shell and, and have their light shining a little bit brighter. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And it's like, I, I believe so strongly that each person here has a unique blueprint that we're here to share with the world. You know, it's each of us is a, a unique human, a unique soul, and we each have medicine for the world. And it looks totally different from person to person. You know, my journey with assisting and doing shamanic work and, you know, workshops and like that could look totally different from the person who's living out their dharma or their Mm -hmm. life purpose as a lawyer. You know, it's each of us has something and the more that we can get connected to that within ourselves, what it is that our intuition is guiding us to and, and what feels most alive in us. And then the more that we can support others in connecting to that within themselves, it's, like that feels like the more beautiful world that my heart knows is possible. Yeah. So you mentioned shamanic work. Can we talk about that a little bit? Sure. So what <laughs> what does that look like in in the ayahuasca circle that that you're a part of? Because I, I imagine every shamanic circle looks a little bit different. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, so in our circle in particular, um, there's a certain round where people who just need a little bit of extra help, like maybe something's feeling stuck, something's not moving, they're feeling frustrated, um, they can come up and receive healings. Mm-hmm. And there are different healings that um, can be done on people from a shamanic perspective. So for example, 
uh, one of my favorite healings that I feel the most connected to and that I'm exploring the most right now, just because it's been so relevant for me, is um, for people who experience severe trauma, there is often this fracturing that happens in the psyche, right? Where um, it's like the, the bit that was going through the experience and couldn't fully process it um, yeah. fractures off. And there's something called a soul retrieval that can be done where um, a shaman can go in and re- uh, retrieve pieces of your soul that were once broken off mm-hmm. um, and return them back into your body. And, you know, that's assuming that you're at a place now where you can f- finish uh, that process and process what needs to be processed. The reason why that piece left in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. So it can be... Um, very intense for the person who's bringing that piece of them home, but it also can feel like stepping into wholeness for people who have felt, you know, their whole life, like something's missing or they're, they're not all there or, you know, it's, it's usually because there's actually a piece that's been fractured off. So if I was observing this shamanic healing, what would I notice? Um, Well, when people are on, ayahuasca, it usually makes them, one of my favorite things I've heard about ayahuasca that really tracks for me is that like, it doesn't bring in anything that's not there. Like it's just a mirror for you to see yourself more clearly. And it it pulls back the veil, right? So a lot of people will have experiences where they'll start to see energy more clearly. Um, and I've heard of people before. So at the end of a soul retrieval, you know, you, you, blow the piece of the soul back into the person's body. And Mm -hmm. I had a person who was watching one time and she said, it it just looked like this liquid gold that was flowing back into the person and to every one of their cells. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that each person experiences and, and sees this stuff from a completely different lens. And then the person experiencing that, what do they typically feel after that experience? Oh, it's so beautiful. It's usually when I, look into that person's eyes afterwards, there's just like a light that is there, like an innocence of their Mm -hmm. soul. And it's usually, um, it's usually a part of like their inner child that Mm -hmm. had left that's come back home to them. So like a playfulness, a youthness to them? Sometimes, or, you know, it, it it could look anyway, you know, it's sometimes it's a playfulness or, or youthfulness or a sense of innocence. Um, sometimes it's, you know, like a, like a, a curiosity, you know, looking around, like they have like these fresh eyes. There's so many different ways that it can manifest. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have visuals when you're um, participating in the assisting? I do. So when you assist, you take, um, like, let's say, you know, there's a person who's assisting, they usually take a full dose the first round. And when you're assisting, you just take a very small amount. So it's usually Mm -hmm. like a fourth of a dose. So by the end of the night, I still haven't taken a full dose. Right. Um, So it's very little, but it's just enough to get you into the frequency of the experience. Um, And, you know, it depends on what's going on and what's happening. Sometimes I'm, I'm more open than others. Like there are times where I just can see fractals of of light and things that are Mm -hmm. happening. And I feel like I'm so honed in with the energy of the room. And there's sometimes that I don't see that at all. So, you know, it's completely different from um, experience to experience and no two are the same. 
Um, but my, uh, have you heard of Claire senses? So, um, Claire senses are, it's like the way that the divine or your psychic abilities or your intuition connects with you. Um, so they're mostly based off of the yeah. senses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Claire audience is for people who like a lot of times people will hear messages or they'll be listening to a song and like the perfect thing that they need to hear comes up in that song. Um, There's also clairvoyance, which is like a clear seeing, Mm -hmm. Um, claircognizance uh, and clairsentience are clear feeling and clear knowing. Um, So like, for example, like clear feeling would be if you walk into a room and you're skin just kind of prickles up and intuitively you know that something is off like that's the divine or like your intuition talking to you Mm -hmm. um so my senses are mostly through clairvoyance and uh clear feeling so it's it's kind of hard to explain but like a lot of times i will see how things feel like i'll see energy around people or i can like uh intuit their feelings or like a process that someone's going through. Like sometimes if someone's laying down, I can, I can feel the the heaviness. I can feel that they're really going through something that is just weighing on them very deeply. And those are kind of my cues for maybe I should go sit with this person. Like maybe they could use a person just to sit next to them and hold their hand or just be in their presence while they're going through their process. Yeah. Yeah. What do you notice about the group energy in the ceremony? So it's it's a long night. It's a lot of hours. Is there kind of a theme to how the energy rises and falls? There is. um, I'm trying to think of the word. uh, I think it's called the the Marion, um, which is that's used in more of like Peruvian circles, but it references the energy and how it, it falls and rises mm-hmm. as different, um, uh, rounds go on, you know? So like something that I love about assisting is just to see it from this totally different perspective, right? Like yeah. a lot of times, you know, there's these seats that will sit in and people will be going through their experience and, um, you can really feel that everyone is very, very deeply in their experience. And like, there's almost the sense of like, don't go and sit with anyone because if you did, you would actually be interrupting the depth that they're at. And then all of a sudden, like someone will shoot up and they'll start purging. And there is such an interconnectedness in the room between people that like one person will start purging, another will start laughing. Like someone will get up and just start dancing wildly. And it's like, (laughs) you just feel the energy whooshing and changing and moving. And, you know, and I'm just kind of sitting there like watching it. Like it's just this beautiful movie that's playing out. Um, And, you know, sometimes like, it's interesting how, um, like this is why it's so important to uh, not expect assisting to be a certain way. And I always tell this to people who are stepping into assisting, you know, sometimes it looks like I'm going to be talking to people all night and helping them through their experience and holding space for them. Um, but sometimes I've had ceremonies where like, I'm not particularly talking anyone through an experience, but like grandma's having me like move the energy in the room and like dance in a certain way or bring out certain instruments like that fairy chime instrument that you were talking Mm -hmm. about 
you know, mm-hmm. it's these little things that just help to, to shift the energy that's there. Yeah. Yeah. I have noticed when there's a time where the music gets really intense and things feel like they're bubbling up and everyone's just kind of like peaking on the intensity of their experience. And then there's times where it just gets really quiet. Everything It seems like near the end where everything's just really sweet. Like it's a sweet, mm. loving energy, but it does feel like there, it shifts throughout the night. Um, is there always this peak of intensity or are there some where that just doesn't happen? Um, it's definitely happened before. Like we had a ceremony where nobody purged the entire ceremony and that was really bizarre. (laughs) We had like all these buckets ready, (laughs) you know, like wanting to run around like, okay, I guess we're not doing that this time. Um, so, you know, it's different. Um, but I would say that generally, yeah, it does seem like it follows that kind of theme where, um, like the first round for a lot of people and it's totally different. I've had first rounds where I've just totally blast it off, you know, but, um, for a lot of people, it could be like, like the medicine's kind of like checking them out, you know, and and seeing what work needs to be done and what needs to happen. And, and the second round in particular feels like there's just this massive whoosh of energy that accompanies it. But, you know, again, not always like she works in very, very mysterious ways. Yeah. So how does somebody know if they're ready? I mean, for me, I, had always been curious and and I was ready to kind of dive into the deep end of the pool and to all of the muck and the darkness. Mm. Um, and I was ready to accept whatever was thrown in my direction, or at least I thought I was right. That first ceremony, <laughs> I guess I was blocked a little bit. Um, and I have had other people that have been interested and kind of backed out at the last minute. And I've always mm. said like, don't do it unless you're a hundred percent in, because I think, there's this big investment behind your intention and because you don't know how it's going to turn out, if it's going to be bright and beautiful or dark or difficult, um, there is a need to be ready for whatever is tossed in your direction and kind of trust that you won't be delivered too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but how does somebody know if they're ready or what are some of the fears that come up that maybe don't need to be big fears? Well, I think you know, first of all, it's really important to always find a place that feels safe for you. Um, that whoever is facilitating these ceremonies that you know that you can trust them. Um, I think that that safety aspect is a really important bit, but with that put aside, I think that, you know, the most important thing is just that you feel some sort of calling in your soul. Like that, that's really what it comes down to is that like, do I feel that there is something in this that it's like a tug that a lot of people feel or like a knowingness that they're supposed to be there. And there's a trust that, you know, if you end up in that circle and you're there, you're supposed to be there. It's, you know, it just, I've seen it so many times and I've had so many people reflect this back that like, they sat next to the perfect person that they were supposed to sit next to mm-hmm. or like serendipities just seem to rise at um, an extreme level in that space. And so, you know, I believe really strongly that people that are supposed to be there are, are there, but I think that a, a desire to do the work on yourself outside of just that space is where people see the most results. So like when people come in and they've, they've never sat with themselves before, they've not done any work around 
any of their programming or um, uh, habits or patterns, you know, the, the medicine can only meet you as deep as you've gone with yourself. Um, and so that's not to say that, um, you shouldn't go if, if you haven't, you know, gone into the deep parts of the ocean yet with yourself, but to just know that it's, it's a process to, to build that bridge, you know, this question of like, who am I? It's the, the eternal question that we're all asking ourselves. And it's, it's not like a clear answer, like, oh, I'm this, you know, I mean, kind of like we're the love of the universe, but like the journey to integrate that into our bodies is, is exactly that. It's the journey. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, she'll meet you wherever, wherever you're at. And she acts very strongly as a mirror for what you need to see. So some people come in and they, they really want to have these like giant breakthrough experiences, but maybe they're only ready to see their own internal dialogue reflected back at them. You know, if you haven't sat with that yet to see how you're talking to yourself inside of your own head and you haven't done work to get out of your head and into your body, then she will show you that. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, this has been really fun. Do you have anything that you want to add that we haven't touched on? Um, I guess just to say that, um, you know, this experience isn't for everyone. You know, it's, but for the people that it's for, it's really for, um, and that it can be a very potent experience, um, but that there's many ways to the top of the mountain. You know, it's not just one, like this is, this is one way that has been extremely powerful for me and for my journey and that I'm so grateful for, but for other people, maybe it looks like, you know, meditating on the top of a mountain or, um, like there's so many different methodology methodologies and ways that we can get more connected to ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's okay if it's not for you or, or if you don't have access to it. Yeah. There's a lot of different ways to dive into the deep end of the pool. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this has been such a fun conversation. I'm wondering if people want to get in touch with you, reach you, if they have questions, Um, how could they connect with you? And we'll put this in the show notes as well. Sure. So Instagram is probably the best way to get in touch with me. Um, My Instagram handle is Kiara of love. So it's K-Y-A-R-A of love. And I don't post too frequently on there, but I am stepping into doing workshops and other, like I'm just trying to share everything that I've learned and, Um, stepping into some really exciting stuff. So yeah, I'm going to start posting more on Instagram. It's a goal of 2024. Um, But also feel free to DM me if you have any personal questions or uh, comments. Yeah. I want to thank you so much. I'm I'm super grateful to have you in my life and my path. You've been profound in my I experiences and um, you have helped me move along my path a ton. You're very, very powerful and I'm really glad to know you and I'm really happy to have you on today. Oh, thank you so much, Nikki. The feeling's mutual and I, I look forward to seeing how we continue to weave together and what this looks like, but I'm very grateful yeah. for you too and very grateful for you having me on this podcast. It was fun to share my story and connect with everyone. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. 
Thank you for listening to the Connected Community Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, share, and subscribe. I can be found at www.nikkiyyoga.com, N-I-C-K-Y-Y-Y-O-G-A.com. Until I see you again next week, I hope you have a beautiful day.